0: Thank you, Devin. This morning we continue our series, the book of Revelation, and we actually get to that portion of Scripture where we can just be um, filled with enthusiasm because of what is to come. Uh, last week we uh, took a journey to hell, and this week we take a journey to heaven. I'd much rather go to the heaven than looking at the place that God has not prepared for people, actually. The Bible tells us He prepared it for Satan and his angels, uh, his cohorts, the demonic forces. But those who refuse to embrace the invitation of life found in his son um, will go to a place of judgment. But today we get an opportunity to look at that which we can look forward to and uh, those we care about as well who will come to faith in Christ. So let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your word that speaks to us about things now and things to be. And Father, we pray that to this day we might live in light of what we can anticipate as a certainty will happen. Uh, Help us to uh, live out these truths in our lives with uh, with passion and with a desire to please you, and we ask this in Christ's name, Amen. A number of years ago, I was I was reading about a, a city. It was kind of a small town, in which the local radio station decided that it was going to kind of just do some service in their uh, announcements or their advertisements throughout the week. And so they had decided that they were going to announce uh, obituaries of the week, so that people could know those who had gone on, and and so uh, they would do so and. And they had done it for a number of, actually, uh, weeks on end. And then uh, one particular week, they, they got up at the normal day that they would make the announcements. And they said, that, we're so sorry to announce to you that there were no new deaths this week. <laughs> <laughs> and they, uh, they were laughing until they realized what they had just said. I mean, so they, they kind of backtracked as much as possible. But, but sometimes we, we kind of talk about it like that. You know, I'm sorry to, to say uh, when someone passes away. I'm sorry to hear that you for your loss. Uh, and, and really, if, if one of your loved ones um, dies in the Lord, it's, it's really not a loss, is it? It's not a loss for you because you know where they're at. And it's not a loss for them because they're in a much better place. You could actually say this, uh, um, I'm excited to hear about your gain for your loved one. You know, Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And, and of course, the reason we don't talk that way is because we experience loss. The loved one who knows the Lord, they are, and it's not just a cliche, they are in a better place. They are feeling and experiencing life to its fullness. But what we experience here is a loss of relationship with them now. And as we think about that, as we really see life in a larger perspective, not just the immediate, but what is to be, it will change how we go through the challenges of life. And and so... As God unveiled not only who Jesus is in, much, in a much fuller description of His Majesty and power, He also unveiled about what was to come in the future, and He wrote that in a context where, where where John was literally living in a house prison. It was on a rocky island with no amenities. He was aware of all the persecution and deaths and martyrdoms that had happened for God's people, and he was under. Uh, the, the rule of Caesar, and there was much not to be thankful for. And, and so to raise him up, to, to understand that God is still on the throne in the midst of things going wrong, uh, he tells him his plan, and, and then he gets that ultimate part in Revelation 21 and says, okay, I want to tell you the end, as you're somewhere in the beginning toward the end, and what you can just, and everyone else who understands this can be filled with hope. So this morning, I have just a very simple goal, is that, that we would be people so excited about heaven. And anyways, ways, we, we, don't, we don't talk, you know, on a relational level, much about death. We, we just hope if we don't talk about it, it won't happen. But really, it, we don't talk enough about heaven, and we should be talking about it because it's going to happen. And for some, they're already experiencing that. So this morning, I always want to kind of run through a passage that really gives word pictures of how awesome it's really going to be. And, and really, you, as I read this, you'll say, well, that was, that was right there in the text. Well, hopefully you'll see it right there in the text and given a kind of a, a picture of, of what is to happen. And as I've said before, often when John was given this message, he was given it in pictorial terms. As also, He also got some audio take of what was to be. So what do we know about heaven? Number one, everything is going to be new and improved. Look at Revelation 21, beginning with verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. Before Revelation chapter 21, there's Revelation chapter 20. Very good, a couple of you, all right? Some of you still need to wake up, all right? So in Revelation chapter 20, which we looked at last week, if you'll remember, as God was closing the deal with everything that he had put together, he said, as, as, as I begin to project the future that is going to be the experience of those who, who follow me, I've got to deal with all that which would mess it up. And, and so God's word says that, that he's going to have that which is now what we see going to be recreated. It's going to be changed. It will, the heaven and earth will pass away, the old heaven and earth, before the new heaven and earth comes to be. And it happens right before the judgment. It's just consumed. And and there's no place to put it except out of existence. And and the reason for that is because this earth is now in decay. It's not running according to its original plan. And so rather than God just tweaking it, He's going to change it all over again. And it's going to be new and improved. Now... This is a familiar theme in scripture in Isaiah chapter 65 verse 17 it says for behold i create new heavens and a new earth and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind Now think about that for a moment He's saying this is going to be so good that whatever you have experienced now on earth it's going to pale so much by comparison you won't even want to remember what you used to experience here on earth. Have you ever had a kind of a, just a highlight of you know your life type of event? Maybe it was a particular special Christmas or a vacation or whatever it might be. And it was just so much fun, or so it just brought so much happiness to you and, and your loved ones. And you say, Oh, I don't ever want to forget this. And God has said, you know, all those things you don't want to ever forget. You'll be glad to forget it because it's going to be so much better. And the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. And where are those things? The things that were on the old earth and the old earth and, the old, and what was even the old heavens. And he's talking about the heavens that we see in the skies. Now, let me, let me put it this way as well. When we think about new, most of the time when we think about new, it's in comparison to that which is, Old. Now you're a lot better. You're talking back to me, all right? We think of new in contrast to that which is old. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about from a chronological perspective. You know, today is new compared to yesterday because yesterday was the old day. This is the new day. But that's not what he's saying. He is saying this is new in terms of quality, it, 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 it's, it's, not, it's not chronos, it's kynos. And kynos is the idea, it's, it's so much better in quality. It's just so much better. And, and he even has a challenge for us to, to reflect upon that. He says, since all these things are to be destroyed to get something really better in quality, you've got to deal with that which is messed up, what sort of people ought you to be? And that's the challenge. If we get excited about heaven, we'll want to be more holy in conduct and godliness. We'll want to live out Colossians 3.17. Well, whatever you do, whatever you do in in word or or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because everything that we get so caught up in is going to be nothing compared to living for Him. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So if, if you listen to Fox News or CNN and you just get so filled with despair and defeat and you just wonder what this world coming to well if you can be involved in a specific concrete solution then be involved in that. But rather set your mind not on what's so bad now about what so much good is going to be in the future. That's, that's our destiny. And we ought to be longing for it and hastening it, which is doing whatever you're supposed to be doing now so that your job is done so God can call you up. That's what we ought to be doing. And when we get there, it's going to be new in quality and so much improved to what we have now that it's just there's just nothing to compare it to. And so often we think of of heaven, almost like wishful thinking, but it's going to be a real place. Uh, Dr. McGee wrote this. I kind of related to it in a little bit. Heaven is a place, a very definite place. You will have an address there. You'll have a, a shingle that you can put up on your dwelling place. Your name will be part uh, of, of where you're at, and, and you'll have a name so that in eternity, when you under, when you are around out in outer space and getting lost, some angel will bring you home, and you will have a home <laughs> We won't get lost in heaven because every person up there matters. He he, he kind of imagines this. The the law of gravity will be radically revised. There will be moving traffic from the the city that's descending from heaven and the earth, and we will have glorified bodies, and we can move from planet to planet at a whim and a notion. Now, I don't know about all how that will happen, but we do know That in heaven, it will be so awesome, we won't ever want to go back to where we used to live. But the section here describes and gives some additional details. At least we can kind of wrap our mind around. And then verse 2, it says, And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And as we think about, when I think about new heaven and new earth, I'm thinking about that which um, you, you see in those beautiful countryside scenes or, or you see in places that are just the, the beauty is just almost unimaginable, just how gorgeous a place is. And basically we have a couple types of people here. We have people who probably like to live in rural areas, and they have people who like to live in urban areas. You know, people like to live in the city, and some people live out in the boondocks type. type. You know, they have the extremes. And I want you to know, in heaven, it's going to be the best of both worlds. Because God's going to send from heaven that which he's been preparing for eternity. You know, Jesus said in John 14, For I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. And in my Father's house are many dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would have told you. So there, there is a place where God's manifest presence is going to be. And there's going to be dwelling places in this new Jerusalem that will descend from heaven. And, and it will be this, this, this place that's called a city. You know, early, I didn't comment it. You know, on verse 21, it says about the new heaven and the new earth, there's going to be no more seas. Did you see that? I didn't read it, but it said there will be no more seas. You might be thinking, well, "What's that all about?" Well, it's quite possible. When we think about heaven, uh, particularly, I, I don't know if we're going to be flitting from one planet to the next, but we're, if we think about this this big rock we're on, and we're thinking about uh, throughout the ages, the millions and millions of people have come to faith in Christ. We don't know how many who have truly trusted in God. You we, might be thinking, "Is it going to be crowded here?" You ever wonder, "Is there going to be too much traffic in heaven?" Anybody think that? Well. It appears that God's going to take this landmass and make it a little bit more uh, livable. If there are no more seas, they estimate that three-fourths of this planet is water. If no more seas, the landmass might just be much more filled in this space. Now, I, I think I've mentioned to you before, I like to tell my son, my youngest son, who, who, who likes to surf, I said, get all the surfing, you, you get none now, because you don't get to surf in heaven. You know, there's no, no more seas. But I don't think it's necessary there's not going to be any bodies of water. We know, actually, in the city there's water coming from the throne. So there's going to be water, and there might be some seas. There might be some places to play you know, out in the ocean. I don't know. But the seas, particularly in Scripture, were places where often destructive things happen. In Isaiah 57:20, it says, But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up Refuge in mud. And often places of almost the greatest destruction or, or an awareness where you can't control the environment is on the open seas. They've made many movies where there are the tsunamis or the, 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 the great ocean liners are thrown in catastrophe. And the acts of God cause people to be filled with fear. And God is saying, there's not going to be a place where the seas will not be quiet or under control. Because in heaven, everything will be new and improved. But as I mentioned before, at this next point about Jerusalem coming down, the the thing that kind of grabbed me about this is that there will be the best of city life. Because in some ways, well, why is God bringing down a city? And again, I'm, I'm only imagining here. But I, I, I like to be outside the city, and I like to be inside the city. I don't know if that's where the greatest concerts are going to be, where the praises of music are going to be in the city of God. I don't know if that's where you can be around you know, a, a large group of people that just builds enthusiasm, whatever event you're at. But there'll be p- places, I think, in, in heaven where you can have times of quiet and times of, of just being celebrative in the midst of all kinds of people. It's going to be the best of city life. Often cities are places where there's much more rampant crime, but not in this city. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16, it says this, But as it is, they, talking to those in the past who were f- faithful to God, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a what? City. A city for them. Now, again, I just want us all to picture heaven is a place where we imagine that the ultimate of what life is to be will be. As we go through life here, you know, if we're driving a certain vehicle, there, there are times where we might see another vehicle driving down the road and we say, you know, the car I'm, I'm driving is okay, but someday I would like a, a better car. Have You ever thought that? And maybe you like the house you're living in, and, but sometimes maybe you think, you know, sometimes, sometimes I, you know, what I would like, I'd like a better house. And whatever, whatever comes to mind, you know, is you could, you could say, well, you know, this is really good, but it wouldn't be nice if it was just a little better. That will never happen in heaven. Because that which is better will be provided. They longed all their life for a better country. And God says, I'm going to prepare a place for you that's a better city. So how awesome is God? It's heaven for those who know and love him. It's, it's going to be new and improved. And it's going to be a better place to live. Thirdly, and, and, and this is probably the, the height of description of heaven, is verse uh. Verse 3, And I heard a loud voice, and again, in heaven it's going to be loud. uh, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. The best description of heaven is that's where God is. That's where God dwells. It will be where God is. In John 14, we have this description of when When God arrived on this planet in in most demonstrative ways. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is the word tabernacle. And it's translated this way. Just to illustrate when, you know, tabernacle was, in the Old Testament, was a place in which God's manifest presence was there. When They they went to the tabernacle to to sense the power and presence of God. And what it's saying here is that's where God dwelt. We know right now that God dwells within human bodies who come to know him. The, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in us. And the word tabernacle actually literally could be, could be put it this way. It's, it's where God pitches, pitches his tent. It's where God shows up. And when we saw his glory, glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. When, when Jesus came the first time, they, they gave him a title we sang about it this morning. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. I, I hope there's a lot of things you enjoy doing, you know, on this this rock we live in. I hope there's a lot of things that give you a lot of fulfillment and a lot of joy, and just just make your life experience a bit of heaven here on earth. But I dare say, if, 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 if you've experienced those, those points where you just experienced life to its fullness, that somewhere in that experience, there had to be other people there. I mean, I like to be alone at times, but if I was alone all the time, that would be, that'd be pretty, pretty difficult to handle. But what, what makes any event better is having somebody you care about there. Would you, would you say that's been your experience? In fact, often when I project maybe something I really enjoy doing, I'm thinking about the people I I hope are there when I'm there. And and maybe you've had an occasion where you've you've sent out a list of people you want to come to a a particular event, and and then all of a sudden you maybe get some back and, and you realize they can't come. And somehow that just lessens the experience, doesn't it? And maybe it's just one person that is necessary for you to have there at whatever it is, to make make it so much better. And when you think about heaven, that's what it's all about. God's going to be there. The the, the major difference between heaven and hell is, is not all the pictures of it or the word images of it. It's simply this. In one place, God's there, and the other place, God is not there. And all that is good will be missed. And God says, I just want you to know that I'm going to pitch my tent in this place that I've prepared for you in heaven, and I will dwell with you. How awesome is heaven? It's going to be new and improved. It's going to be the better place. It's going to be where God is. But God realizes that we need need a little bit more detail because sometimes you've got a really good place to go to and, and people can mess it up. Have you ever been to a park that, that just is so beautiful, and then you you, you walk around, and the people have left their trash everywhere. You ever had that experience? And they just go, why don't they just pick it up? And, and there are things that can make a, a great place horrible. And so, God announced to us that that heaven will be a place where there are no mores. And you're thinking, no mores? I, I think of heaven as a place that that has abundance. It has everything. It has. Every more you can think of, more when you like to eat more ice cream and not get fat, and when you like to eat more chocolate and not get fat, you know whatever. I don't. That just popped my mind. But anyway, there's heaven is also a place where there's there's much, much more. But also there are some things that are no more. Look at Revelation chapter twenty-one, verse five, uh, verse four. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no longer any death. There'll be no longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. So what are the no mores in heaven? No more tears, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, and no more pain. And and, and those five things that will no longer be experienced in heaven are things we all experience here, isn't it? We have experienced death in our lives. People that, from our perspective, died way too young. And the only hope we have is that the sovereignty of God and their place reserved in heaven for them. There are things that just bring us to tears as we look at the injustice in our land. There's the mourning of lost opportunities or poor choices by people we care about. There is the crying about things we cannot change, but want changed. And and there is the pain that that often physicians and counselors can help alleviate, but never eliminate. And God is saying, "I, I want you to understand that everything that you think can make heaven not the place you can imagine to be, it will be taken away. They will be there no more. I was reading a story about an engineer who was kind of of a a key player in the production of freeways across our nation. And he was asked, uh, when you had to plan all these, these road works that were in every state in the Union, what was the greatest difficulty? Was it, was it the mountains you had to somehow move around to, to, to get the highway there? Was it the, the rivers, the valleys, the canyons? What was it? He said, no, we, we could figure those out. But what was often the most difficult is we had to figure out how to deal with all the cemeteries in America. Be- because there are so many places where people have been buried. When we get to heaven, that's not going to be a problem. There's going to be no more death in heaven. So how awesome is heaven? Heaven is a place where it's new and improved. It's better than any place we can imagine here. It's going to be the best city. It's going to be a place where God dwells in an in intimate, personal way. It'll be a place where there, there are no more. There's no more tears, no more no more mourning, no more, no more death, no more crying, no more pain. And then the author of this to, to John realizes he needs to emphasize what he just said. And so he goes on to verse 5 and he says, And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. Now, the one on the throne, I think, should have been a person you could have trust just at face value. But we've all heard things where he say, you know, that's too good to be True. Now heaven is that place that's too good to be true, right? I mean, this, this is this is beyond imagination to think it's going to be so, so improved from anything we have here on this planet. It, it's going to be this this city that is so beautiful, it's adorned like a bride. You know, I've heard pastors who who've um, you know the experiences I've had, you know they. They are often there when a child is born and when a, a child is married. And often people will say, well, I've never, I've never seen an ugly child, and I've never seen an ugly bride. And when this city is brought down by the hands of God that has been prepared by it, it is going to be the most beautiful place ever built. It's going to be the best place, the better place. It'll be the place where God dwells. It'll be the place where there are no more, no more things that detract from God's original plan of us experiencing all that is good. But there's something more here that he says, I want you to know what I'm about to say is true. I'm faithful to what is reality. And then he said, verse six, then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Well, who gives you the authority to say all these things can happen? Because I'm the person who is the A to Z, the beginning and the end. And then he describes heaven this way. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. And really what heaven's is going to be a place in which Jesus will give that which fully satisfies. This uh, past week, I, I read it, all right, if, you had, if you're on our email blast, I, I gave that statement from C.S. Lewis. He says, you know, as we think about all those things in life that don't quite quench our thirst for more, it, it really speaks of there has to be something in reality that is to come or we wouldn't have that desire. You know, we, d- we desire to have food and there is food to meet that desire. If we love to swim, if we're like a little duck that wants to paddle in the water, there's, there's water for that duck to actually paddle in the water. And if you have certain desires that are unmet, he wants us to know it's not because that somehow this universe is a fraud or this earth is a fraud, but that God has prepared us for more than what we have here. And so that longing for something better is going to be met, but it's going to be only met by God, which speaks to that there's a reality because we wouldn't be made without a desire that could be ultimately fulfilled. And so what God is saying here is, I'm going to give those who are here that which fully satisfies. And isn't that what Jesus put in the gospel as well? Remember in John chapter 4, he speaks to the woman at the well, the woman at the well who, who had tried her own lifestyle to to get the most out of life. And now it driven her to the point where she could only go into the water hole when no one else is there or she'd be ridiculed or abused by, by other women of that day. Get strikes up a conversation, or actually Jesus strikes up a conversation with her and they talk about spiritual things and talk about things that really matter and she tries to somehow de- deflect the conversation and, and then Jesus finally says to her, In John 4, 13 and 14, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. And she realized that. She had to go to that water hole, if not daily, weekly, to to make sure that her pots were filled to be able to use the water for that which was needed. But then he says, but whoever drinks the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing out to eternal life. When you're not fully satisfied here, the reason is because God made you for much, much more. And only in heaven will you be fully satisfied. Quickly, just the last two points. Then he goes on to verse 7. He says, He overcomes, will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And this speaks of heaven as well, because as you think about heaven, it's a place where we're going to receive all that God had planned for us to experience. And you can put it this way, we will inherit not just some things, but all things. In Ephesians 1.18, uh, Paul writes to people like us and says, you know, you're not, you're not seeing that well. Most of us in life, if not all of us in life, will come at one point in life when we need some kind of uh, visual correction, right? And whether it's LASIK surgery or, or glasses or whatever it might be, implants you can you can begin your life almost with perfect sight but there comes a point where all of a sudden it becomes either you can't read what's close you can't see what's far and you need visual correction and that's a physical visual correction but god says you need spiritual correction i pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints Anyone who knows Jesus is not poor. We are abundantly rich. What was the Powerball a few, few uh, about a month ago, was what, $1.53 billion? And people, it was a, it was a reading just the reports about that, there was a frenzy when it got up that high of people getting more cars, getting more cars, because maybe they'd be the one. That pales in comparison to what we are going to experience in heaven. We will inherit all things. And then finally, eternity will not be polluted with sin. Look at verse 8. For not, but for the cowardly and unbelieving, unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And we could we define could every one of those terms there, but he said, look, I'm not letting anybody up there to pollute heaven. That will not happen. And whether it's the cowardly, those who make a profession of faith but don't really have faith because as soon as the heat comes up, they just run. That we're just showing that they never really knew him. Or, or, or whether it be the abominable, which actually is vi- It speaks of people who are vile. It actually, one of the definitions is being polluted. Or even be a liar. And that's where, that puts all of us on that same shelf in terms of being on our own, unable to qualify for heaven. But, but by the grace of God who can, can, who can forgive all sin, those who are still living in their sin, not desiring to follow God's plan, will not be allowed to come to this place that's perfect, unstained by anything that will decay. So what's the point this morning? The point this morning is is we ought to be excited about heaven. And when things get us down now, when we get discouraged, depressed, or in despair, and that describes most Americans today, we ought to be filled with hope because this is our destiny. Paul said in Colossians 3, Set your mind on things above, not the things that are on earth. For our life is hidden with Christ in God. So this week, when you're having a down moment, don't be this focused here on earth. Put your mind up in heaven. Realizing there's a place that's so new, you won't even want to think about that which is old. The good old days will be the now days. Think about this place that's going to be better than anything you can imagine, filled with beauty as God brings down the new city. Think about it. This is the place where God dwells. This is the place where there are no more tears, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, no more death. This is the place where God truly satisfies every desire of our heart. This is the place where we inherit everything that God wants us to have. It's the place that will not be polluted by anything that would detract from God's plan for his people. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we just really pray for each one here. We pray that they might make this step to know Jesus in a personal way, to say, Jesus, I want to know you. Forgive me of all my sins. I'm in that list that you have there. We're all in that list. But you can forgive me of my sin. I turn to you. I want to follow you. I give you my life today. And when we pray that prayer and really mean it, God will answer that prayer. And, Father, for us who already know you, might we live in light of what is to come rather than what has been. And might we be filled with hope and not despair. Help us to live for you. Help us to do our, our work here on, heaven, on earth as long as you have us before you take us to heaven. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we close this morning.